0: Welcome to the Common Round: medical education for medical students by medical students. I'm Hamid and I'm Andy and joining us today is our executive producer Gautam. And today we're finally going to dig into the pathologies, aren't we? That's right, so this is going to be our first episode of the pathology. How exciting. Yeah, so after talking all about the physiology, finally into something more medicine-like. What so are we talking about today? Today we'll be talking about anemias. Um, we're going to have a special focus on what an anemia is, yeah. and then we're going to talk about microcytic anemia. It's a pretty big topic, wouldn't you say? Um, so yeah, we'll just break it up into chunks that you can easily learn You know, when you're walking or when you're, when you're doing something, and we'll make sure that we explain and define everything, cause one thing I've found, I don't know about you, is that things weren't explained too well. No, I remember being taught this last year and it probably took me quite a while to actually finally sit down and figure it out. Yeah. So yeah, I, I hope we'll be able to do this justice and uh, make it a bit clear for other people, right? Exactly. Should we get started then? Why not? Beautiful. So, what is anemia? Okay, so anemia is when the body is low in red blood cell mass and you can't really go and measure somebody's red blood cell mass, so we have to find other ways to measure it. So, what they've come up with is to measure the person hemoglobin concentration hematocrit as well as a red blood cell count yeah pretty yeah. much um yeah so it's, it's just have low red blood cell mass and you have ways of measuring it indirectly and if that's the case how or what are the different types of anemias that that we've got or that you might come across so the different types of anemias one would come across would be like so if one, once we find out that the person is anemic we can do a blood film so we essentially grab their blood put it under a microscope and have a look at the size of it and one way to classify it is to depend to to see it uh, to look at the size so if they have a small red blood cell that's called microcytic anemia if they've got a normal looking size red blood cell it's called normalcytic anemia whereas a large red blood cell is a macrocytic anemia but um Hamid, do you have a definition for like what what are the numbers that would classify someone as anemic? Yeah, so there's a couple of different numbers that um, that are quoted. So, if, if someone has low red blood cell, or the term that's commonly used is mean cell volume, a number of less than 80 is considered microcytic, a number yep. between 80 and 100 is considered normocytic, and a number higher than 100 is considered uh, macrocytic. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so you can use the mean cell volume, which is commonly reported in your um, full blood count examinations, to yep. then determine whether they've got anemia and what type of anemia. Mm. That would be your first starting point guys don't stress we'll cover through we'll go through all of the various components so we'll we'll cover microcytic normalcytic and macrocytic in due time yeah but let's talk about some of the clinical features of anemia broadly speaking because they you know those features can be shared across all of these in one way or another so one of the symptoms that when we interview someone when they have anemia would be that they can present with fatigue weakness shortness of breath and i wouldn't be surprised because you know if someone has low red blood cells which carry the oxygen then, if they don't have enough of that, then of course they might have trouble actually having. Uh, they might feel a bit more out of breath than mm-hmm. usual, wouldn't they? Yep. They could possibly have a decreased exercise tolerance, feels some palpitations, some headaches. Uh, anything else? Yeah, and I guess taking a good history is really important as well. You know, history of you know severe blood loss, you know heavy periods. Oh, yeah. If you're a, if you're a female, um, mm-hmm. are really important. Your know, menstrual history is really important. You have to also establish whether this is based on the history, whether this isn't uh, you know an acute issue, whether this has been. Going on for a long time. Going back to some of the signs and symptoms, and are there any sort of physical signs that you can actually measure or see aside from obviously doing a full blood mm. count? So when we do like a physical examination, that we always we can always look at the patient's palms and to to look at the creases as well as look. At the conjunctiva to see whether if it's white or not right mm, yeah and so i think if your hemoglobin level is less than 90 grams per liter then that's when you would see the pallor or mm. like the whiteness in them i think if it's less than 55 so this type of signs and symptoms you see are really you know influenced by how much hemoglobin is available yep. if your hemoglobin is less than 55 for example you might hear ocular buries so oh, i yep. think it's a whooshing sound that you hear in your ears yep in some people you know sometimes if you press your ears against the pillow that can be normal but in You can hear it all the time. That suggests a bit, there's a bit of turbulence in your blood flow. Mm. You can also get cardiac symptoms as well, which mm. is not surprising. So, what are some of the cardiac symptoms? So, linking it back to cardiophysiology principles, when someone's blood oxygen transfer isn't as optimal as possible, the heart would try to pump faster and mm. harder to try and get it to compensate, actually, compensate for this. So, tachycardia would be one of the things that happens, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Uh, you can also get, you know, the systolic murmurs as well, flow murmurs, because oh, there's, okay. you know, the viscosity of the blood has decreased, and as you pump Blood through it's yep. going to um, cause increased turbulence. Okay. Yep. Due to that reduced viscosity, and you can over time, if it's left unmanaged, you can actually predispose you to congestive heart failure. So you know the signs and symptoms of heart failure. You know you need to keep that in the back of your mind. Aside from cardiac and other symptoms, are there any you know and some of the dermatological signs? Are there anything else that you might be on the lookout for? Are you talking about let's say the color of the nails, or is- so? It, I don't think it's here. It's um it's something else. Uh, what was it? I have to I have to think. About, I can't remember. Off the top of my head, but I was thinking yep. more about the fact that you know, in a patient who's had a recent bleed, there might be jaundice as well. Oh, okay. um, and some of those signs and symptoms that you have to be True. keeping an eye out for. Yeah, and in some patients, they can develop glossitis or infl- uh, inflamed tongue. So that is another key point to bear in mind as well. All right. Is there anything else you want to add? Before Actually, we... I, I did. So one, uh, there, I think there were two things that we might have glossed over a mm. bit and I just wanted to emphasize. So all of those symptoms that we described are sometimes a key marker in a specific anemia. So yeah. once we'll, we'll go through it and then hopefully when you listen to this again, you'll be able to link it to all oh, they mean, blah, blah, disease. That would cause, for example, the glossitis. Yeah. And yeah. another thing was when we take a history, it's also important to find out their diet alcohol because mm-hmm. once again that leads to a specific type of anemia and um, another thing that i think what i wanted to make sure and mention was just since we can't measure the hemoglobin uh, sorry the red blood cell mass we sometimes use the hemoglobin levels as a marker right? Yes. Yes. and so uh there's my change between which pathology um clinic you guys use when ordering a test but on a general rule of thumb for males, under 135 grams per litre is called anemic, right? Yeah, that's right. So, just then when we talked about the pale eyes and conjunctiva, mm-hmm. this was 90. So, this is a lot lower than 135. Yeah. Yeah. Females mm-hmm. is a bit lower because they have menstrual cycles. Exactly. But, but yeah, so the general reference. Yeah, really no, that's, that's a good point that you covered covered. All right, let's talk about microcytic anemia. Let's go back in terms of how it's defined. So it's defined as having a hemoglobin of less than 80. And there's a good mnemonic for... Hemoglobin? I think it's means... So mean cell volume less than 80. Sorry, yeah, mean cell volume less than 80. And there are four broad causes. And there's a good mnemonic to help you guys with that. Oh, and the mnemonic is it. called TAILS. Tails. T for thalassemia, A for anemia of chronic disease, which we'll talk about today. Yep. Iron deficiency is the I part of the tails. Yep. A is, um, sorry, L is for lead poisoning. Yep. We won't really t- uh, cover that. Um, oh. You guys can read up more about it at your own time. Yep. And sideroblastic anemia is the S part of the tails. Awesome. That is pretty cool. Yeah, so that's an easy way of remembering causes of microcytic anemia. Let's talk about the most common cause, which is iron deficiency. Um, yep. So, what are some of the causes of iron deficient states of microcytic anemia. We can think about either the body is using it up more, right? Or the person just isn't the patient isn't getting enough Mm. iron. Yeah. Is that what you have in mind? Yeah, pretty much. Or or I think another one another reason would be that the person is losing iron as well, right? Yeah. Which is not really common unless you're having a bleed or, you know, heavy periods and things like that. Because The body's got a good way, as we mentioned in our uh, hemochromatosis talk, that the body has adequate mechanisms of absorbing iron but inadequate mechanisms of actually excreting iron. So there must be some really serious things going on to cause you to lose iron. Um, But yeah, so pretty much it: increased demand, decreased supply, and increased uh, losses. Um, And so what are some of the clinical features we mentioned before with anemias you get the fatigue mm, etc yeah. but I'm actually struggling a bit to f- think of what what you meant by like specifically iron deficiency yeah. anemia clinical features there isn't really it's, oh, yeah. all of, it's a crossover between some of those symptoms of anemia that we talked about like you said fatigue tiredness the uh, effects on hemoglobin which manifests in you know pallor and those sort of um, signs that we mentioned before yep. there are two specific ones that may be associated with iron I'm not sure whether have you come across no, the no, term t- Pika. Term- yeah oh that's the one where the person actually the patient is like desperate to eat anything too. yeah yeah it's something really like unusual. even like gnawing on soil or something just to yeah they, they think it's just so that they can get iron into their body exactly that's, that's come- yeah that's what fairly unique for, oh, for iron right. there's another type of syndrome that you might come across called the um plumber vinson syndrome i haven't that, heard of that one yeah well that is associated with dysphagia glycitis and angular stomatitis so angular stomatitis is sort of inflamed fissuring around the corners of the mouth something you know similar to you know what you might get when you get uh, a cold sore or something but yeah so that's called the plummer benson syndrome and i think that is very unique to iron as well or iron deficiency states the majority of the clinical features crossover with anemia that we talked about if you want to diagnose iron deficiency Andy, how do you go about doing that so we'll look at I think called iron studies right yeah can um, you before we talk can you actually explain to me because yeah. that took me a while to get my head around there's a couple of, of terminology that's bandied around yeah so, Do you want to explain that a little bit me let let, let, Let's talk through it, right? A few, I think there's four things that usually come up on an iron study. So you've got... Serum ferritin, serum iron, TIBC, total yep. iron binding capacity. And what's the final one? Saturation, that's right. Saturation. Yeah, saturation. And there's another one that sometimes you can order as what well. And that's called a soluble transparent receptor as well. Oh, okay. I haven't seen it personally myself. Yep. And yep. it really hasn't come up in our PBL yep. cases. But, but we'll talk- it's worth mentioning because okay. it's something special about this receptor. Yeah. So let's go through uh, what's serum serum ferritin. All right. What's yep. And that kind of goes back to our hemochromatosis talk in a bit. But let's do a quick recap. Yeah, of course ferritin is a protein that iron gets bound to inside a cell It's essentially is if you have lots of serum ferritin then that means you've got lots of iron stored in there yeah. but there's a catch it there? the about uh, inflammation and how ferritin is an acute phase reactant and so it can be artificially increased in an infection yeah in an in, or in, in an inflammatory state so ferritin is important but yeah. it's not as black and white as we like to think what's can you explain to me the t- total iron binding capacity thing did my head in for a little bit it was yep. a bit confusing can you explain explain to me what that is? One dumbed-down version that seems to work for me was that total iron binding capacity is essentially just the number of transferrin molecules in the the blood, isn't it? Yeah. So transferrin is the transporter of iron throughout the body. Yeah. So if you've got lots of transferrin in the body, your ability of the body to bind iron is increased. Yeah. So that's the total iron binding capacity. Exactly. I think the next thing to logically link on would be the saturation. How much percentage of that total iron binding capacity is actually bound to iron? And that's the saturation. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly that's my understanding as well yeah and normally the saturation is around one-third so 30 oh, percent the yeah. yeah, transparency should be saturated with iron in a, in a healthy person. yeah so let's talk about that final part uh, there, there's another one the yeah. iron serum iron. oh yeah, yeah 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 how can I forget about that yeah, yeah. I mean that what is, was that? it can fluctuate based on your diet mm-hmm. uh, and it's not necessarily the best indicator of iron availability you have to interpret in conjunction to the other studies, mainly ferritin and your total iron binding capacity so by itself it's probably not the best. Yeah, so that was just iron in the blood. Yeah, yeah, that's it. It's just okay. iron in the in the blood. But it's not an indicator of any. Yeah, okay. it's just you have to interpret with other, other oh, parameters. Okay. Good. And what was the final one, the the soluble transferrin receptor? I yeah. So you can, I think you can specifically ask for that, and that reflects the availability of iron at the tissue level. So it's Ooh. useful in determining iron deficiency in the setting of chronic inflammatory conditions, which we'll talk about oh, later. Okay. Yes. Um, so it's a transferrin receptor. It's expressed on the cell surface of erythroblasts, so there's primitive true red blood cells that are in the bone marrow and it's responsible for iron uptake um, once it comes in contact with transferrin as mm-hmm. the name suggests and some of it is broken off and goes into the circulation and so you can monitor that so if you're in an iron deficiency state you expect your transferrin receptors to be higher in the blood because you're having much more of them expressed on the developing erythroblast mm-hmm. and so there's bound to be more of it breaking into blood Okay. And if you're low in iron, then um, the transparent receptors should be low. Because they're not. Uh, sorry, if you're high in iron, yep. there's lots of it in the body. You don't need to absorb more of it in the body. So that's going to be Good down-regulated. Ah, okay. um, so we'll talk more about that yep. once we talk about anemia of chronic disease. Okay. Um, let's go back to actually diagnosing or some of the investi- investigations you need to run. So yep. can you just run me through that? What we would do when looking at a person with iron deficiency anemia is order the iron studies and have a look at those markers and see whether if they're high or low in correspondence. Yeah. Um, so correct me if I'm wrong with this one. So I'm thinking that, okay, so let's say a person who's iron deficiency, I'm going this purely off the top of my head at the moment, yeah. a person who is deficient in iron will not have lots of ferritin. Yeah, or well, the so, ferritin so, surge will be quite low. So because... that would be low. And usually a general rule of thumb is if the ferritin levels are low, then your total iron combining capacity will go up. Yeah, so your transferrin goes up because it's yep. really trying its best to mop up as much iron as possible to take to the point oh, that's where a... it's being produced. I think that's how I remember That's it. a good explanation. Yeah, so you want the transferrin to be really high, so it attracts all the free iron or whatever iron is available to then go back to its uh, appropriate uh, areas. Um, and then the other two, so the serum iron would be down because your body is using trying to use up as much iron available as possible. And what was the fun one? The saturation. So since you don't have that much iron, and even in the blood, and so amongst all the transferrin molecules, there's a low saturation. Yeah. Um. What, what have I missed, actually? I think that's about it. And I, one point to remember, yes. to go back and just finish off the ferritin topic, is that yep. the lower your ferritin is, the more likely you are to be able to confidently diagnose iron deficiency anemia, so long as it's not confused in the context of inflammatory disease, because can be artificially raised, But that's an important point to bear in mind. So once you've done your iron studies, can you look at the blood films as well? Perhaps, do the blood films tell you much? Definitely, because we are talking about a microcytic anemia, right? Mm, So iron is one of the microcytic anemias. And so if we do a blood film, we would expect the cells to look small as well as be pale in color. So that's called hypochromia. Because there's not enough hemoglobin inside those cells. And hemoglobin is what is lending the cells the color. Can you Do you have a good way of remembering why it's micro because I I came across it and now I like it all makes sense can you explain of course I I would love to so I loved tails what you mentioned before but like that's one way to remember it and my way is just I I, I try to think of it logically in terms of what exactly happens from what I came across was that the reason why these cells are small is because you don't have enough hemoglobin Mm. so in order for the body to maintain a certain concentration of hemoglobin the red blood cells go undergo an extra division when when they're being created so they are extra small but at least the hemoglobin inside would be at a certain concentration. Yeah. 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 So now we just need to think about what is causing a low level of hemoglobin. So hemoglobin is made by two components, heme and globin. So globin is an important factor, and that heme is also broken up into iron and protoporphyrin. So mainly the three causes of microcytic anemias are problems with iron levels, with protoporphyrin levels, and globin levels. I, yeah. in Most yeah. things. Yeah. So essentially, that's why tails broke is um will will fit into this classification. Because T for thalassemia will be a globin problem. A for anemia of chronic disease, which isn't necessarily a globin. It's something else, but it's an, it's, so it's an iron problem. It's it's an issue with iron, but yeah. not in the in the way we yeah. understand it. So I was for uh... I was for iron. Iron. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> the topic uh, of the conversation. Oh, sorry. Yes, I I for iron. So iron is also one of the. So, the iron is one of those classifications. And then the last two, so the L for lead poisoning and sideroblast, that's actually a protoporphyrin problem. Issue, yeah, in so, most cases. So, just remember, so what's he made of? And just think of why hemoglobin would be low. So, it's something wrong with the iron levels, protoporphyrin levels, or globin levels. Detour, but that that's how I remember it. Yeah. But tails is very straightforward and simple. Exactly, it's mm. really true. All right, I think one final thing we should talk about is you know bone marrow is not bite wipes is not commonly done, but if you do a bone marrow, what you might expect to see is um, you can do an iron stain using Prussian blue, which is a um, you know stain that picks out iron. Yeah, and that should have, which makes sense. It should have lower levels of it present in your in, in your erythro precursors and also macrophages that might be located in the bone mm. marrow, which makes sense because there's not iron, so those cells are not going to have Prussian blue is not going to bite to too much iron. Are you happy for us to talk about any anemia of chronic disease yeah let's go into yeah. that one let's let's talk about that so we're more than halfway guys thanks for um sticking it through let's talk about anemia chronic disease so what are some of the causes so anemia chronic disease sometimes abbreviated as acd mm. it essentially it, from the name if you just even take a stab and guess at it it's something it's anemia caused by a pathology that's gone on for quite a while mm. and so i'm thinking so infections so long-term infections malignancies such, such as cancers long-term inflammatory or like rheumatoid uh, so it's some sort of arthritic response yeah. renal problems pretty much any sort of chronic long-term poorly managed chronic disease may potentially manifest itself as that type of anemia but what exactly about the chronic disease that causes the anemia would you like to go through the yeah so let's talk about the sort of the pathophysiology of it so um, it's an underproduction or impaired uh, utilization of iron and it's predominantly related to hepcidin which we talked about in the hemochromatosis so go back to hemochromatosis in 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 a nutshell hepcidin is important for absorption of iron The higher the amount of hepsin circulating in the blood, Mm -hmm. that causes... Intercalocytes, so the line, you know, the cells lining the small intestine yep. to minimise their absorption. You mm-hmm. can talk about the mechanisms we talked about in our pre- other podcast, yes, in our gastro um, series. But go go back to that if you need further explanation. Mm-hmm. So what happens is that during inflammation, right, yes, the body thinks that if body has no necessarily way of that. This is my understanding. No, necess- no, really good way of seeing whether this is due to a microbe infection or whether this is due to some other form of inflammation, right? Because the path can have similarities okay and so iron is commonly used as a cofactor or in many microbial activities or enzymatic functions Mm -hmm. and so in order for the body to minimize access of microbes to this iron they firstly cause enterocytes to trap the iron cause macrocytes to trap the iron and also macrophages macrophages sorry to trap the iron and as a consequence that iron is not available for, for example to be used by microbes but unfortunately the downside of that is that it's not also available to be used by the, the body because oh, okay. it's been trapped yeah and so that leads to the anemia that unfortunately follows from this uh, protective mechanism now yeah. ideally it works well in a microbial situation because hopefully you clear the infection over time but yes. if you have uncontrolled diabetes or renal dysfunction you know yeah. that's not going to resolve anytime soon no. so that is going to be a persistent state okay is that your understanding do you have another way of thinking about it i think i completely agree with you so what the idea what i'm getting from what you're telling me is that the body is under this chronic inflammation or this chronic disease state Mm. which accidentally interprets it as a microbial infection and one good way of doing that is locking down the iron Yep. unfortunately there isn't really a microbial infection in some cases there might be but yep. most cases there isn't and so that lockdown actually decreases the iron availability for the body to produce enough red blood cells exactly yeah absolutely Interesting. there might be some mild hemolytic component to it as well so okay. you're also losing a bit of iron and also red blood cell survival decreases because you're starting to produce potentially dysfunctional red blood cells you know microcytic okay. uh, red blood cells yeah but what would be some of the investigations if, you, if you've got a hunch about anemia of chronic disease how yeah. would you then so look into it I think once again the gold standard would be the three things so you would look at the iron studies mm-hmm. you would then look at a blood film to see what the size looks like yeah. and then finally a bone marrow biopsy or something but yeah. so under the iron studies so it's taking a stab at it so the iron serum ferritin levels that should be high right yeah because it's an acute phase reactant so it does increase so um, and yeah. that reflects the fact that you're, you've got iron trapped which yep. is binding to ferritin as well yeah um what else would you and expect? so if the ferritin is high the general rule of principle is the total iron binding capacity would be low yeah, yeah. low or normal mm-hmm. because, because normal it doesn't yeah. necessarily follow the rules too uh, okay, well okay sure and then would there be high levels of iron in the serum or what about the saturation? Saturation would be around normal as well. Okay. Serum iron would be low. You know why? Because why? Firstly, you're not releasing it. You're not macrophages aren't releasing the iron stores. They're yep. trapped. Enterocytes are not releasing the iron stores. They're within endothelial cells. So the bone marrow portion has to extract iron from the serum. Oh. And so the serum iron might be so low. Serum iron is low. Yeah. And that's why. So yeah. So like you said, ferritin would be high. Serum saturation would be probably low or normal. Yep. Total iron binding finding capacity might be low or normal, yep. and serum iron would be low as well. Are there any other sort of markers that we might... Are there any other acute phase reactants that you might... You mentioned at? the other, the receptor thing, wasn't it? The yeah. What, yeah. What happens to that one? I think for that one, the the receptor might be... Um, it, its levels would be low because okay. the cells inside them have... A, correct me if I'm wrong, it would have a degree of iron stored, so their expression on the surfaces would be less, and so there would be less breaking of that into the circulation... Mm. But if I'm uh, if I'm wrong about that, then by all means, um, correct me. I think that that might be right, just based on the logic of it. But if you guys think it's wrong, please let us know and use that mm. feedback function on the on the website. I was also thinking about maybe looking at c-reactive protein might be elevated in an acute inflammatory state we haven't really talked about it broadly and i'm sure we cover it at a future topic erythrocyte sedimentation rate which is a marker of inflammation might be elevated as well we will definitely talk about that once we talk about rheumatology and also um fibrinogen which is another acute phase reactor i don't think it's commonly measured might be up as well interesting is is there anything else that you might be looking at in these Uh, patients I can't think of anything. No, and I think the management is to correct for the underlying disorder that's causing it. Unfortunately, sometimes these patients can also have chronically low iron as well because, you know, they're unwell, they're probably not eating well. So you yep. need to, you know, you need to distinguish what's what's the cause. You should never start iron treatments without knowing the cause. Yep. But once you know the cause, then you can manage. Yeah. that side of it as well cool. and so what would the blood films actually look like with this person um, with the blood films I think um, you might so it's a spectrum right you don't suddenly become microcytic so initially okay. they might have normal cytic sort of picture where they would have a normal colour yep. slightly maybe slightly lower reduced or normal size and as your condition progresses then you develop that whole hypochromic lighter colour smaller cells um, so that's probably what the blood actually films I look think like. that was also my understanding for um, iron deficiency yeah. as well so it also starts off as a normal and then in severe cases goes to micro it doesn't it. and i think that's it for chronic disease of anemia so it's an inflammatory state that fools the body into protecting its iron stores and then you Develop anemia as a consequence. Let's finish off our microcytic talk by covering sideroblastic anemia. Now, in our university, it really it was touched on; it wasn't really explained. But I've come across this condition so many times that mm. it's kind of promu- in textbooks. Uh, eh? Yeah, yeah, it's yep. prompted us to really talk about it. Why not? So this isn't going to take too much. So okay. let's talk about sideroblastic anemia. What is it? As I mentioned before, the sideroblastic anemia affects the protoporphyrin synthesis in the yeah. body, and protoporphyrin binds to iron to make heme. Yeah, and where does it happen? Where does all this happen? Is it in the nucleus or is it in the cytoplasm? So it happens in the red blood cell, but mainly specifically inside the uh, mitochondria, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. So iron gets transported by transferrin into the the red blood cell, more specifically deposited into the uh, mitochondria, Mm -hmm. and then that's where it will bind to protoporphyrin, which is being synthesized by a lot of enzyme reactions, and then once the two react together, they will form heme. Yep. Heme will get ejected out of the mitochondria and bind with globin to form hemoglobin. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. That's the basic physiology cool. behind it. Yeah. That's really good. So what are some of the causes of sideroblastic anemia? I'm assuming yeah. it's a kind of a syndrome type. So I think sideroblastic anemia, Sideroblast refers to the general appearance of it, but we'll go yeah. into what it looks like. Yeah. What essentially it is, if you don't have enough protoporphyrin, there's nothing wrong with iron. So the iron will get transported into the red blood cell, into the mitochondria, but there just isn't enough protoporphyrin to for it to bind to. So mm. you've got accumulation of ions, yeah. which will form this ring around the nucleus. Mm. And this appearance of a red blood cell with a ring around the nucleus is called a sidroblast Problast? Yes, is I think mean, that's my understanding it? as well. Yeah. yeah, it's just a ring around the nucleus. You can also get some eye, like some staining of the mitochondria as well, but mm. the characteristic is that ring around the nucleus. Okay. And so, what are some of the causes? So, I know you can have probably some you know X-linked sort of her- hereditary you can't. Causes which are quite rare um, from my understanding. What are some, Are there any like reversible causes of um, cidroblastic anemia? There are some other common causes are drugs, with one of them you remember is isoniazid. Mm. We'll talk about this drug yeah. when we talk about infectious disease, so guys, mm. don't, don't worry about it. And then the other two were alcohol and lead, mm. and so that's why we mentioned lead poisoning as the acronym TAILS, wasn't it? So, yeah. lead essentially destroys the ability for the body to produce protoporphyrin yeah. which is essentially another cause of citroblast yeah exactly um, anything else? there was another one called uh, idiopathic or like an acquired one which was from I guess a subtype of myelodysplastic mm. syndrome yeah it? and we'll talk about myelodysplastic in the future it's a really important topic yeah um, yeah so you can have idiopathic ones where the cause isn't really known but it's okay. probably associated with you know some sort of bone marrow dysfunction in that case being myelodysplastic syndrome Yeah. and that's a really interesting topic for the future okay but well, yeah, so you can have heri- you know, hereditary, you can have idiopathic, or you can have reversible cause. Reversible is often medication or toxins that can occur okay, yep. uh, And we talked about some of the clinical features. So what sort of investigations would you then Well, we would once again just when we come when it comes to iron studies oh sorry, when it comes to Anemia's just think about iron studies mm. then a blood film and then finally possibly bone bi- marrow bi- biopsy if really needed right Yeah So especially actually, if you're trying to rule out malaria So Ahmed would you want to tell me like with if I do like a iron study given the characteristics of sideroblastic anemia what would you expect to be I think from my memory I think the iron state should be normal uh, especially if the iron intake is normal okay. unless you know otherwise No but like so let's say with the ferritin right so there's a lot of iron actually being stored inside the the cells so wouldn't yeah wouldn't that that i think that would be raised okay um, yeah, yeah yeah sorry yep i yeah. see yeah and so sometimes with a lot of iron being raised like inside a red blood cell sometimes that can cause uh the red blood cell to burst and die and then mm. let's say that iron gets released so the serum fer- uh, the serum iron also gets raised up as well yeah exactly. um, but the other normals the values could be possible yeah what about the blood film we kind of mentioned that you, do you see anything else besides having that sort of ringed ringed uh, nucleus are there any other features that you might come to expect? well if we're talking about them like a small red blood cell then yeah hy- hy- sorry a microcytic anemic red blood cell then oh, sorry a microcytic red blood cell uh, is there something else I think that uh, I mean it could be normalcydic depending on at the stage or it could be microcytic true very rare cases it can be macrocytic but Predominantly, it's you know on the lower end of normal that we talked about. I think that's it, you know, without going to you know excessive detail. Yep. Um, and of course, we can't really finish it off, finish off a of microcytic anemia without talking about the problems with globin so the mm. thalassemias but that thing is such a huge topic yeah. by itself we're going to leave it for another day i think so that deserves but, its own topic so but when you're studying for this don't leave out thalassemias when you're talking about anemia. if anything focusing on thalassemias probably should be the <laughs> more than sideroblastic <laughs> <amias>. <laughs> it should be the focus yeah so that's it for today guys thank you so much for listening in um and and is there anything you want to add before we wrap up no no it's all good all right so stay tuned we're I'm gonna do a uh, also a talk on uh, macrocytic as well that shouldn't be as long because um, there are you know very few the causes are much more obvious um, yep. so yeah so stay tuned for the next episode where we talk about macrocytic anemia thanks guys thanks guys For listening to our Common Rounds podcast, you can find all of our episodes, notes, elective experiences, and much more content on our website. So come visit us at thecommonrounds.wordpress.com and see you next time.